You're listening to Brumpod, the podcast for small businesses by small businesses. Discussing the topics that matter to you because they matter to us, including marketing, networking, generating business awareness, as well as covering various business tools and technology. Brought to you by Brummies Networking, the home of free, stripped-back business networking. Produced by Happy Content Co. Welcome to episode 29 of Brumpod. I'm here, as ever, with Jason and Ewan. Hello. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And also a special guest today uh, in the form of Layla Smith from Promise PR and Creative. Welcome, Layla. Hi. Thank you very much for having me on. No, pleasure. Thanks for coming on. So, I think firstly, without further ado, just give us a little potted history of about who you are, what you do, and how you got to where you are now. Perfect. Yes. So, I have always had a creative background. Um, I've got an eye for art, fashion. Um, And so, yeah, my background is predominantly fashion. Um, I originally had a major interest in fashion design. Um, So, I probably would say I'd always had this entrepreneurial sort of spirit, wanted to do something um so i'd probably say at college i designed a collection um for spring summer and i had an instagram that i was marketing it from um so i started to sell it up thinking that was the direction i wanted to move in um and then i eventually got asked to be on a fashion show event with john lewis marks and spencers and some major names so i was very excited obviously this was just a side thing along my studies um and i went to this event and basically I just got the feel for the whole thing, the fashion events, the marketing. Um, I think there was a couple of Helen Flanagan, the actress was there. And so that's when I got a taste of like influencer marketing. And I was like, it's not just the design I want to do. I want to do the whole, whole thing, <laughs> the whole process of marketing, PR, the events. Um, and I then went on to study fashion business with marketing. Um, and that kind of covered every aspect of setting up your own business the marketing and PR and then from then on I was getting interest in more so just fat than just fashion so property like like I call myself a lifestyle brand so all things property architecture um like art so drama theater um and yes yeah, still fashion um but basically I was working at I've worked at several PR agencies um but I found myself at the start of the year looking for work and obviously, lovely little Corona <laughs> arrived <laughs> and um, threw a little spanner in the works. So I was, the end goal was to set my own thing. So I kind of just did it a couple of years earlier than planned. But with all that time to sit and think about what you want to do, what you're passionate about, it kind of just fell into place. And so I opened up Promise PR and Creative. Um, and from there, I'm just, yeah, I've started this agency and it's very exciting. It's very early days, but... It's exactly what I wanted to do just a couple of years earlier, but I, yeah. I'm really enjoying myself so far. But yeah, so that's me. I mean, setting up a brand new PR and creative agency during a pandemic. <laughs> Crazy, I mean, yeah? I mean, what, what were you Am thinking? Okay? <laughs> and how, how, how had it gone? I mean, was it something you, you thought twice about in some ways or did, did yeah, you really think just, no, go for it? Definitely in the sense of like, is this crazy? Because it's so PR, a lot of it has to do with events as well. And obviously that is not really happening at the minute. Um, But the other side to things with the pandemic, it was so, 
it was so obvious to me how much some brands needed the help in their PR department because obviously nobody's faced this before, but it highlighted the communication with brands to their consumers. A lot of people kind of kept quiet or didn't know how to handle it. And to me, I was thinking, oh my God, they need somebody doing their PR. They need somebody acknowledging what's going on um, and working out the relationship more so with the brand and their consumers. Um, so I think it could, it's been make or break for a lot of companies. I know companies that have addressed it and handled it fantastically. So they will have been making new, like, new clients and new um, market. But I've known a lot of people that have lost out because they've handled it in the wrong way. Um, so yeah. it kind of... I don't know. Part of me was like, yes, let's do the PR. But the events have definitely been put on hold for a while. Um, but I also think when things pick back up again, there'll be a need for kind of opening nights and launch nights. And so, yeah. Kind of more than ever, up. I would have thought. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So. I have a question because a, a lot of companies are understandably nervous about saying the wrong thing during a pandemic and they err on the side of caution and say nothing. <laughs> How hard is it to convince some people that, they, that doing something is better than nothing? It's because people are often scared of saying the wrong thing. So my advice would, to be, would be to research, do your research, teach yourself. We've got time on our hands, like kind of learn about it and then you'll have the confidence to speak. I definitely think it's important to say something than nothing at all. Um, it's people like to relate to brands, don't they? So if they see that the brand's going kind of what they're going through, or at least acknowledging it, they'd feel almost more connected to a brand even through that. Um, but keeping quiet, it's almost like, oh, they don't care as long as they're kind of getting the sales or whatever. You need to make it personal, I think, with a brand. Um, so I would definitely advise speak out, learn your facts, and then people would relate to you a lot more. Yeah. That's 100%. great because I. I remember during the credit crunch, the yeah. um, a lot of brands um, reported that there was a there a, a, was a return to comfort foods and nostalgia and familiar names. Oh, so yeah. a lot of household names did very very well out of it. That's and interesting. New brands really had to sort of forge a uh, forge a different path. So do you think something yeah. similar would happen during this pandemic? Well, I don't know about you, but I felt very nostalgic at the start of lockdown. Like a lot of people I spoke to were thinking this same like um you just kind of you have all that time on your hands and you're sat at home with your family that you might not always live with and things just kind of I don't know they come back to you and I for example I know Disney did the Disney plus at the start of lockdown did you hear about that yes it's basically like the Netflix for Disney and so many people were like oh my gosh I'm 11 years old again because they're watching all of these old films and I just think they did that <laughs> such a clever time because people were feeling nostalgic so to have that sort of opportunity to watch all the old films you watched as a child and but yeah I definitely think people were feeling nostalgic with this hence the buying the brands that they used to buy and people kind of are apprehensive about buying into new businesses that they're not completely aware of especially at uncertain times which is why the the like branding and the personality of that company needs to be so important to them because they need to make people trust them people don't have a lot of trust at the minute because um, they're all feeling very unstable with where the world's at. But if you make them feel comfortable and that they can trust you, then I think you're off to a great start. It's kind of a very weird time, isn't it? So, so approach so sensibly people, and sensitively. Sorry, are, are companies cutting back on marketing spend at the moment because that's, that's one of the classics in a recession? It is. <laughs> it is. 
Um, yeah, I think people are definitely reevaluating their budgets. Um, you just need to you need to show them how important it is because, it, like I said, it's a crucial time for it. It's a crucial time for their PR and their marketing because, if pe- especially at the start of lockdown, when people weren't able to go out and go to the shops and everything. That's all they're seeing of you is your online presence. And if you're not really speaking out and doing much, they, they're kind of going to forget about you <laughs> if you don't keep relevant. Um, but yeah, so people are cutting back. Um, to be honest, I'd say I'd say 80% of people I've spoke to are cutting back, but we're kind of getting over that hopefully. And then some people are the opposite where they're like, no, we need to invest in it. Um yeah it's hard it's just so unpredictable isn't it so you can see why brands are apprehensive to be spending much but it is it's quite important (laughs) sorry there is research that that says that you know the companies who don't cut back on marketing and on training Mm -hmm. are the ones that succeed in coming out of recession yeah so it's, it's it's a false economy a lot of the time it is isn't it that kind of supports what we were just saying doesn't it well, as someone that used to work in advertising before I joined my current company, which Stop I won't it. name, <laughs> um, yeah, advertising was one of the first things to be cut. But the the argument was, they called it the bouncing ball. You know, the, mm. the, you need to maintain a momentum. You can take your hand away a couple of times, but at some point, you're going to have to work twice as hard just to get things back up to the level they were at before. Yeah, I completely agree. I think um, it probably will come back to bite you if you cut it. <laughs> when it's kind of very important times, but you can see why they are, but I would 100% advise to keep either normal or maybe even increase your marketing and PR at a time like this. Well, one of the things that was um, mentioned recently to do with the pandemic, really, and it was more political, but it applies to business, Mm -hmm. is that the most successful are the ones that don't just firefight and go look at managing the crisis but look at their plan for beyond the crisis yeah i can see that because i I think people like even though we can't really plan but we like to hope for a more positive future (laughs) to be soon don't we so the thought of thinking ahead is a positive thing isn't it so it would i'm sure it would make their consumers feel better if the brands are looking ahead rather than just focusing on the uncomfortable times right now if we're looking ahead there's going to be some positivity somewhere, we hope. <laughs> well, let's hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you seeing the people who are starting to spend money again on PR and marketing campaigns? Yeah. Because I mean, it's, it's got to be more important than ever to, as we said, keep keep doing it if you've been doing it anyway. But mm-hmm. if, if, you, if you have cut back as a business, then it's, it's certainly time now to kick things up a gear and make sure that you stay relevant. Absolutely, yeah. I have, I have a client in property, and that's probably the only... Um, industry I've noticed has been quite stable um, only because this this company were launching so they've got a, t- a couple of developments and the construction industry were told they could work from quite early on in lockdown I don't know if you remember um, yeah but with things such as as the the stamp duty they cut ri- they cut rid of the stamp duty so people are now almost looking to move house because they're in their house constantly a lot of people are like, all right, we're sick of this place. Um, yeah. And then looking elsewhere, but with the stamp duty cut off, that made it quite popular. And I know the local travel agents to me are all really, really busy right now. So the company that um, I have as a client, they kind of never drop the momentum of keep it going, keep the PR out there because it's more important for them right now because it's a really busy time. But that's the only people I can kind of think 
never really took a break or never really got kicked back by it. Um, but yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> somebody that it. works in the property property industry himself for an mm. unnamed company that um, I can't uh, can't say on a podcast. Uh, yeah, we've seen the same thing that the the, the um, domestic house move market has really just ignited. It's crazy, isn't it? We kind of expected the opposite. Um, but yeah, the last few months have really shown different because I think it must be that people are spending a lot of time at home. They're either realising they, they need, need a better more home. space or they're just grown out of it. or Yeah, but I definitely think the stamp duty thing has encouraged it to be now more so than the future. I don't know. Um, oh, it's yeah. certainly yeah, a stimulus. You know, There will be more and more people working from home mm-hmm. and what your home is will be more important to them than it ever was. It's, it's no longer a, just a, a base where you, uh, where you sleep and then head out to the office. Yeah, it's so important. I, I saw a thing on LinkedIn. Um, a guy had his ironing board up, <laughs> and that was his desk. <laughs> and he had literally made do with his desk as an ironing board. But I, obviously, it was a lot longer than we all anticipated. So how long he was working on the ironing board, I have no idea. <laughs> it sounds but, yeah. like he needs more space. I think so. So I think he might have been one of the ones to <laughs> look elsewhere. I mean, you but, could buy a small table from Ikea for 20 100%. quid. It was very dramatic. <laughs> Even his kitchen table would have been better, but I don't know. I like the creativity. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, it's so important for your for your mind, like your headspace, isn't it? And your mental health. You need to be in a bright, like somewhere you want to get up and work every day, I think, rather than, I don't know, a make do ironing board. <laughs> yes, but, I would have thought so. So I definitely think that's what's pushed the property industry. But So when it comes to finding clients... Yeah. Uh, where do you tend to, or, or anticipate, given you're in the early stages of things, where do you anticipate finding most of your clients for, for your area of work? I mean, yeah, is, is it going to be mainly word of mouth or Google or social media, networking? I live in Solihull, um, and so it's quite... There's a lot of local companies. So for these local companies, I have been going in, introducing myself, and kind of working with the word of mouth sort of thing. Um, but I, I'm also looking for clients in Birmingham and Warwickshire. So for that reason, I've been on so many networking events. Yeah. <laughs> These Zoom calls of your like one minute introduction of yourself. But it's it's been great. It's been it's been really beneficial because you meet people you would never have really got in touch with before. Um, yeah. And then if they don't have business for you or they don't have a reason to use you they will recommend you and it's it so again it is almost word of mouth after the networking but the networking is definitely beneficial um and then i have got the website that i've had a couple of people reach me through from google um it's kind of a bit of everything they all work for different companies i think i mean we're biased with business networking because of (laughs) well obvious reasons but i mean i the the power of networking i mean i've ended up getting clients even from our own group uh, that I maybe haven't seen for several years, but we've stayed in touch on and off. And even mm-hmm. if I haven't spoken to them for a long time, they suddenly pop up out the blue and let me know that they've recommended me to somebody or they've made a direct That's introduction. Great. And, you know, th- there was one client that I happened uh, with a few years ago and I hadn't seen him for about five years and just out of the blue happened. I thought it's only because I ever met him at an event yeah, but you, you've stayed in his mind. Like You clearly made a good impression, I think, for him to remember you years later. But you don't need to keep in touch all the time. But it's just lovely to hear that, isn't it, that he's recommended you. Yeah. Um, because you've obviously stayed in touch on LinkedIn or whatever. Um, I just, yeah, I think it's great. 
yeah, keeping things moving on LinkedIn is is really beneficial. Like I have, I've only got. <laughs> well, the, I only ever used it. I've only started using LinkedIn inverted commas properly uh, for about two or three years. I've, I've been on it since about two thousand and seven. Yeah, and used it as a bit of an online CV thing. But it was only when Jason actually told me about it. I'm not going to big him up too much because it's <laughs> just going to go horrendously. Uh, but it, it was only when Jason started telling me all the different things that you can do on LinkedIn and utilizing the news feed and putting posts yeah, up. and great. I started seeing, actually, this is quite handy. I know it really. I I'm such a little loser. I check my LinkedIn more than Instagram <laughs> or any other thing on my phone. I just really enjoy it. <laughs> it's weird, but I just think, what did we do with that? It just keeping in touch with people that you would never have before, really. I just think it's great. Yeah. But yeah, a hundred percent recommend the networking events. So I'm guessing you're quite zoomed out now with networking over the last few months. If Zoom doesn't become the word of the year, apart from pandemic and COVID and everything else, uh, it's it's highly unjust if Zoom is not. I don't know how Zoom have captured the uh, imagination of the world. Oh, I know. I think it's probably because it's easy to use. I mean, I've seen a few tech blogs lately that, especially at the beginning of the lockdown, where Mm -hmm. there were so many websites that were giving all the various online tools to to do what zoom does uh and some were saying you know use microsoft teams and i tried microsoft teams and it's one of the most complicated things i've ever had the misfortune to use (laughs) uh so i think i think for me i think zoom is just one of the easiest tools it's nice and simple isn't it sometimes simple is the best way Especially yeah. because it's it's connecting it's more than just business at the minute isn't it it's connecting families all across the world and so it needs to be simple for those that aren't as tech savvy um but yeah i definitely am zoomed out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i went to um one one face-to-face event a couple of weeks ago and um that was obviously all like all the measures in place of social distancing and whatnot but even even just being there in person, there's just something you can't get from a Zoom call. It, yeah. was, it was great. It was just a nice little coffee morning, but it was just lovely to get back to it. And then straight away, that's been shut down again. We're not having any more of <laughs> anytime soon. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're certainly looking forward to uh, getting back to live events as and when we can. But yes, it's still, still not uh, looking too promising for the foreseeable future, but as soon as possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. So going on the flip side of the world of PR, mm-hmm. in the realm of negative PR, ah. uh, this is a story I saw yesterday on LinkedIn. I'm um, not going to mention the company name, but it, it was a guy that put a post out who is the owner of a bike insurance company. Right. And it all stemmed from uh, a tweet, apparently, that Lord Sugar had put out a day or two ago, uh, complaining publicly that his nephew had bought an electric bike. He'd locked it up with allegedly a very good quality lock. A thief had stolen it. And now he's complaining that the insurance company won't uh, pay out. And the guy on LinkedIn put a post out saying, you know, it's, it's important to stick to your processes and principles no matter what, regardless yeah. of who in the public eye starts complaining about you, because allegedly the part of the criteria of the insurance policy uh, is to have a very specific style or security level level of lock, right. uh, which apparently Lord Sugar's nephew didn't use, which is 
the reason why. Oh, okay. So, so read the contract completely before he it, tweets. <laughs> it seems like it. And, you know, Lord Sugar isn't short of a few quid. So why he couldn't just replace it, I've no idea. That is um, so true. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's like, why, how would... I mean, again, I'm sure there aren't are no major legal reasons why we shouldn't, but it's just safer if we don't mention the, the company name. But if yeah. you search through Lord Sugar's tweets, you'll find it. How would a business theoretically deal with something like that to combat negative PR, where it's quite possible that it's entirely unjust uh, negative PR? Yeah, I think a thing like that with such an influential person, especially he's probably got, I don't know, thousands maybe millions of followers on twitter you would straight away panic um but my advice would would be to kind of don't rush into anything thoroughly thoroughly analyze the situation look into whether your brand are wrong um or even if they're not just look into the facts um i mean pr it, it can be dangerous things like that because they won't always look into it, the audience they'll potentially just think Alan Sugar's wrote it. He must be right. Um, but I do think it's important. It's, again, what we were saying. Silence uh, is never the answer. You should always speak out on the matter, whether it's right or wrong. Um, I think decide the best platform, which is the best way to address the situation. For example, um, on Twitter. He did that on Twitter. So I feel like the company should respond on a platform that the same people that use Twitter will see it. Um, for example, yeah. if you have a if you have a company that works with their marketing through, I don't know, TikTok or Instagram, writing an apology post on LinkedIn probably won't help. <laughs> it was not going to reach the right audience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think thoroughly address it. But people love honesty and clarity. So if you have slipped up, I think just kind of acknowledge it. People love to say, oh, they've admitted they made a mistake. Deal with it. But always flip the situation on its head and just end it on a positive note. Show them how you're going to fix or deal with it. Um, and yeah, end it on a positive note because I think you can easily bite back, um, but it's just not going to reflect well on your brand. The horrible phrase, <laughs> the customer's always right. And even if they're not, you need to make them feel that you are dealing with it. You are taking their opinion into your hands and trying to resolve the problem, however that may be. So is there an advantage in using somebody external to the company as, as you know, somebody who's not emotionally involved That's as your really PR good person? Question. Um, yeah, I think, I definitely think it'd be great to have someone like that on board um, and maybe work with you. Yeah. But I would highly recommend to keep the brand personality through. So if it's an external um, person, they'd need to be keeping in brand um, as that's important. You don't want to have quite a chatty, friendly tone to the company and then a really formal response. I think you need to keep it on brand. But yes, I think having someone that is not biased towards either side is a very great way to handle it. Um, so it's, it's probably useful having a sounding board, if anything else, isn't it, with yeah. someone that deals with this sort of thing? Because I know there are people that specialise in sort of crisis management and that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. That is, that's part of what a PR agency offers to come in and and handle crisis such as Alan Sugar <laughs> kicking <laughs> off on Twitter. <laughs> it, it, it does infuriate me. I mean, so it, sometimes I, I do despair with people in the public eye that I'm not necessarily saying this about Alan Sugar, but you do find that if you're in the public eye, you suddenly 
a lot of them seem to have a sense of entitlement. Oh, yeah. Um, so with that, he probably would have thought they'd kind of run straight to him and do it because he's tweeted it. But I think the company are right for sticking to their ground and looking into the facts. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. If they've got the following, it's instantly easier to make a tweet because then more people are going to hear about it. Absolutely. It's a, yeah, it's a power thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But I think you've got to handle that how you'd handle any customer, despite their status. <laughs> Yes, I, on the on the LinkedIn post I saw, they, they had made a point of saying that uh, yeah, they they're handling this just as if it was any client. Yeah, there's no special treatment or any any difference in treatment just because of who the the client is. It's it's a one fit for all. Absolutely, I think that could almost backfire if they did, if they just kind of resolved it because it was him. It wouldn't reflect the company well, I don't think. Absolutely. So when it comes to PR. Uh, what should the first steps be for any business wanting to go down that route? Is, is there any top tips or advice you've got? Yeah, of course. So I would say you can't know your brand enough. So know your brand inside and out, upside down, the whole thing, <laughs> back to front. Know your audience. Um, you need to know it thoroughly so you can never slip up. So you need to know your audience in uh but not just the simple things of where they shop, what they read. You need to know whether they work out, whether they commute. Just know the demographic and exactly how, because these things will come in handy with your PR. So if your client, um, no, we're not in London, but gets the tube to work every day, um, you'll know that will come in handy in the future for tube adverts and things like that. Um, but just really get to know your client. Um, and then I would then look into the sort of medias that, your client uses or sorry I say client because I'm an agency but or customer uses um know the medias the social medias the all the papers that they read um and then it will make it so much easier if you've got a clear idea of all of this because your PR then can be more direct you'll have a more clear route um but yeah I just think you need to think what you're trying to come across keep it consistent um, think of your, what personality type you want to give your brand and yet consistency is, is key really um, yeah 100% just keep it consistent and the, the one thing I wanted, I wanted to get your opinion on is so often the terms PR and marketing get banded together as though they're one <laughs> and the same whereas they do clearly serve different purposes how do you define the two and do you ever have to decide or decipher what clients need when they come to you? And do they also conflate the two and not really knowing which they need, if if, I, if both or one or the other? Honestly, Richard, you have no idea how many times people ask me <laughs> the difference between PR and because it does fit so closely together. So I can understand the confusion. Oh, but yeah. Um, so I would say one of the main differences between PR and marketing for me would be PR focuses on the brand and the business and the public image and kind of the whole company, whereas marketing is often used to promote certain products or services that they may be bringing in as a new launch. Or So marketing is quite specific. Um, I would say marketing and advertising fit very, very hand in hand. So what my clients often say that they invest in a PR package and that is so much consistency and background work of me sending off press releases and constantly, constantly reaching press to get featured. So no, they may not have 
an advert smack bang at the front of the magazine, but they're not paying the thousands and thousands of pounds that that costs to get like confirmed adverts because that's advertising. So PR, a journalist might be writing a report on their favorite restaurant to eat at Christmas time or something. Um, And I would approach them and then offer them a nice day, make, make it, sell it to them. But because it works with their article, they're willing to come along and they'll write a personal um, a personal blog after it or something that comes more from the heart. Like it's not just a state, a matter of facts, it's personal. And people will say, oh, she had, a, she had a lovely time there. And that must be true. It makes it more believable. But because you're not paying a thousand pounds of advert fees, it's not reliable in every sort of, every single magazine release. It's just more organic. Yeah, so I would say PR is persistence um, with press releases and securing coverages in the right media. Whereas marketing, you pay big chunks to get adverts and whatnot. <laughs> so does that make sense? No, absolutely. I think it's like sales and marketing. It's so many roles that come up saying sales and marketing. And most people that see these things on LinkedIn and beyond, they're like, no, they're two different things. Yeah, I know. I'd say marketing works for the sales team and the PR works more for the brand as a whole. Yeah. If, that, if that's a clear No, I think that absolutely makes sense. Yeah. So I think a lot of people do confuse the two, and I think it, it's oh, it's always good to have it. They do fit hand in hand sometimes, but yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Different aspects. So if we could click our fingers and make it happen, who would you? Who would be your ideal client or ideal type of business to work Ooh. with? Because you never know who's listening. No, I like this question. Um, <laughs> so I I would love to be involved in some sort of wellness or health company. Um, whether that be like a product or a service, that would just be, it'd be really satisfying to know that I was part of the journey of kind of benefiting someone's life or, you know, improving their health. I think that would be really great. Yeah. Um, on a completely different note, <laughs> I would also <laughs> love to work for some sort of like luxury hotel chain. Um, I'm really passionate about travel, so I'd love to have the opportunity to work for hotels because I get weirdly excited by nice venues. <laughs> um, so having these locations like all all around the world or whatever, um, yeah, that would be a dream. So completely different there, but they're my two sort of clients I'm focusing on. <laughs> getting. Absolutely. Well, this is the thing you you never know who's listening. You never know who's in the room at a networking event. You never know who someone knows. Yeah, absolutely. At a networking event. Uh, well, I mean, we've we've mentioned this on the podcast in one of the very early episodes, and one in one of our Brummies events several years ago. Now, uh, we'd asked someone uh, that was there who their ideal lead sort of client would be. Yeah. And they mentioned uh, a large stadium, and they said they'd been trying to get hold of the right person for a while, but didn't have much joy. And the head person that they actually needed to speak to was there in the room. What are the chances of that? That is amazing. <laughs> so we're, we're able to do the direct introduction there and then. Oh, um, wow. That is just such a good connection. You sorting that, wasn't that? You're Brummies Networking. It's a, it was us. Where, whether everything happened. for that, definitely. I don't, I don't know if it all happened in the end. I have no idea. But we'd like to think it did. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it, 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 does, it does have the same point. You know, you never know who's listening you never know who's in the room someone might know somebody that could be your absolute dream client absolutely so we click them fingers then (laughs) (laughs) no it is true it is sometimes just right place right time isn't it yeah the fact that man was there 
at that event is just crazy. So I think finally, where can people find out more about you online? Okay, so people can have a look at my website, which is www.promisprandcreative.co.uk. And then on all socials, we are Promise PR and Creative. So that's Instagram, LinkedIn, um, Twitter and Facebook. Fantastic. We'll also make sure all those links are in the uh, the episode notes as well, so people can get there direct. Perfect. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Well, I think suffice to say, I think we've covered most of the main points of the world of <laughs> PR in one handy 30-minute episode. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that pretty much wraps up episode 29. So many thanks, Layla, for coming on and imparting your wisdom. Very Thank much, you much so appreciated. much for having me. It's Indeed. Great yeah. to be with you. And we shall catch you all next time. You've been listening to Brumpod, the podcast for small businesses by small businesses. Brought to you by Brummies Networking, the home of free, stripped-back business networking. Produced by Happy Content Co. Follow us on Twitter at Brumpod. You can subscribe to future episodes using Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and several other podcast platforms. Just search for Brumpod. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, then please do consider leaving us a review. Music by Bureaucratic. We'll see you on the next episode.